Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Friday, August the 13th, 2021, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book in the chapter Into Action, and we're on page 78, reading the second paragraph that begins, Most Alcoholics Owe Money, and we'll be reading and sharing on that one paragraph. Today's readers, um, and thank you for your service, for the 12 Steps, Christina G., the 12 Traditions, Matthew B., readers of the text, Katie G., Lisa B., and Dara L., and our newcomer greeters, Rick J., and our second hour host is Leslie M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, August the 12th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 17,544. That's 17544. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 17,545. That's 17545. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Christina G. to please read the 12 steps. Christina, star one. We can't hear you. Good morning. This is Christine G., Chicago area, the 12 steps. One. We admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed, <clears throat> excuse me, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, Christine G. And I'll now ask Matthew B. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Matthew B., grateful, recovered, compulsive eater from Long Island, New York. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. <clears throat> Eight, always anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such or never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, always anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter Into Action on page 78, reading the second paragraph that begins, Most Alcoholics Owe Money, and reading and sharing on that one paragraph. I will now ask Katie G. to please start reading. Good morning, Lisa. Katie G. Recovered Compulsive Eater. In Boston. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. 
They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory that it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors, no matter how far we have to go. For we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. And that last line is the most important to me, um, is that I will eat. I will go back to the food. And I, I really, there are a few points in the book that it tells us this. And my experience and my observation is it's true with money, um, with sex, um, and there's something else, but I don't have the memory at this point. I think the other really profound thing that I have learned about um, making amends financially is it's not my money. What I mean by is I can start talking about, well, I only have so much money, but I've already stolen that money. I've stolen money from grocery stores. I've stolen money from places where I've had student memberships well beyond being a student. I've stolen money from companies that have given me double of something and not been honest with that. I've stolen money from companies that I've worked at. And what I mean by that is showing up to work and thinking, oh, well, I can take another program call. Oh, well, I can do this, right? Because I have to. I'm in 12-step recovery, so I should be able to do this. It's my sponsor. No, no, my employee is not paying me to work my program during, uh, during employee hours, right? That's just not what's happening. And so it's not my money. So I have been taught to show up. I don't show up with a, a check unless it's a cashier's check. I approached people, um, grocery stores that I worked in. Um, I just had a huge envelope and I said, I regret my behavior. Here you go. I stole. Um, I've also been taught to add tax. Um, to the number of years that has been. The other thing is um, when I didn't think I had any money, um, a sponsor went through my budget with me and she said, how often are you getting your nails done? How often are you getting your hair done? How often are you buying this? That is not my money. It's money I've already given to somebody, stolen from somebody else. Um, today, I have to continue to be really cautious. I've called um, certain online companies and said, you know, please charge me for this. I received duplicate. Um, I have been told, oh no, we don't have to charge you. And I've had to talk to a manager because I don't want to eat again. Um, I also, um, when people have said to me, oh, you know, don't worry about it. You don't owe me money. I have insisted. I've said, this is not my money. I stole this money from you, um, whether it be um, I stole money from my parents, et cetera. And when people continue to refuse, again, that's not $100 in my bank account. That's $100 that I took and I made a donation. I've made many donations in people's names. Um, in order to rectify that situation. So I could go on and on, but I think um, the point is for me, um, I, I cannot be dishonest. I cannot be dishonest in any area of my life um, or I will go back to food again because eating is going to be a step up. So I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you and to trudge for another day. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G, for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you have that you would limit your shares to every third day um, in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on Wednesday or Thursday on any of the vision meetings, if you'll hold back. 
And who would like to share on what was read this morning? Lisa B. Larry G. Lisa B. Larry G. Toby W. Roz G. Toby W. Roz. Anybody else? Okay, we'll start with Lisa B, Larry G, Shelby W, and Roz G. Lisa B, you're up, followed by Larry. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much for your service and everyone that's here. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. This is such a, like almost a chilling reading. It's very heart-stopping. And then hearing that amazing share because this is speaking to the core of my being. You know, this is stuff that I haven't wanted to do. I've wanted to skimp, cut corners and dodge, you know, and that's how I'm wired as a compulsive overeater and alcoholic. And um, it's just how I'm wired. And if I do not have the spiritual treatment with the 12 steps, like I'm going to go right back to that. But I'm not going to get recovered and have that amazing spiritual experience, which is the only solution for me unless I do this all the way. And, you know, just listening to Katie share, I was just like, oh, you know, it, it brings me almost to my knees because although I have done step nine to the best of my ability and all my memory, it's still trembling, you know, to hear it because there could still be some things there for me. And there's some great podcasts. Um, on a vision for you that talk about step eight and nine and repairing the damage and using a sponsor going to fellows that have had experience is just so important but when the pandemic began I did a fourth step on my work history because I had to close my office and it just brought up a lot for me and I had so many amends that I needed to do that just were not on my radar you know and um I've been able to do them, but it just continues to deepen. And the whole reason I'm doing this is because I desperately need a relationship with power. You know, that's my solution. That is my only solution. It's not to look great in the eyes of others, but it's because I I have to have that experience, you know, that my spiritual experience and, you know, stealing office supplies is something I've done. I, before I moved to South Carolina from Florida, I bartered with an artist and I have this beautiful painting and I didn't finish my end of the deal of completing services for her. And I just moved away, you know, and I couldn't contact her. And I found ways by listening to these podcasts, talking to fellows, going in prayer and meditation to find ways to put that money back into the universe, you know, that isn't mine and how to repay office supplies food that I've stolen, candy that I stole on the way to school. Um, And these little five and dime mom and pop stores, you know, have since closed, but finding ways. Um, Living amends. And I love there's a fellow that talks about the ongoing living amends that I make to my parents that have passed on, um, you know, by completing amends with them. So it's, it's just a really uh, important thing. It's so important 
I don't know. It just really spoke to the core of my being. So I'm going to need to go into prayer and meditation about this on an ongoing basis. But thank you so much, everyone. I'm glad to be here. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. And Larry G., you're up, followed by Shelby W. Good morning. Uh, Larry G. from California. Uh, thank you for everybody on this call. It's been my experience. It's just uh, the truthfulness has been <clears throat> just amazing, and especially the reader this morning. Uh, shout out to her. It was inspires me to be truthful. Um, I would have never, you would have never convinced me that reading Bill's story that I would have related to as a compulsive eater until I joined A Vision for You and uh, was desperate for abstinence. And by the time I got around reading Bill's story, I had a, like about a month, 30 days, maybe 60 days. My head was cleared. And... Uh, I, I'm not a dishonest person by nature, but because of the food addiction, uh, and it was clouding my judgment, I was dishonest. And uh, when I read Bill's story, you know, like I said, I related to it. You know, Bill was a snake oil salesman. Let's tell the truth. He was um, he committed a lot of uh, dishonest acts in Wall Street. He was, you know, pretty much. Um, banned from Wall Street, from bars, and so on. And I never put it together that I did the same thing. I worked in Wall Street also. And I had the money to pay for these things, the food and so on, but I, I stole. I I, uh, I had $1,000 a month expense account, and I used that money to eat at fine restaurants. Um, I didn't take clients out. I went, and I got fired for that. Um, I went to, there was a co-op here where I lived, and I would steal food out of the bins. I could afford it, but I was, you know, my entitlement was, hey, I shop there. I pay, I pay a lot for groceries. I'm entitled to sample. And one day I was walking out, and these recovery cops pulled me aside. Now, I made amends, both financial amends for another program, but I never put it together that it was because of my compulsive eating that I stole from my company and I stole from this co-op. And it wasn't until... I was desperate for recovery, and I, my, my mind finally was clear up from um, my drug of choice, which was massive amounts of, of carbs and sugar and flour, that I could see this. And uh, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that I can say this. I, w- I would be ashamed to talk about this in OA. I wasn't ashamed to talk about this AA because, you know, many people, you know, do this in AA. But this was a food-related issue, a food-related uh, addiction. And today I can, I can sit in this call and in front of 4,000 people, 400 people, and bear witness the fact that, uh, of my dishonesty. And I cleaned it up. I made my amends. And uh, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't eat food in a grocery store. I bring the food home. And um, I'm in another 12-step program that deals with money, and I'm rigorously truthful about money today. I do not, uh, you know, lie on my tax return. Um, I believe that, you know, part of my job, my role as a husband is to protect my wife. My wife is putting her signature there. Um, you know, I got audited a couple times because I was aggressive. That was food-related. And Fine. Because I, I, thank you, because I was sober in Alcoholics Anonymous and sober this other program, so it's got to be food-related. So thank you for your truthfulness today, and I passed. 
Thank you, Larry G. And Shelby W., you're up, followed by Roz G. This is Toby W. Oh, sorry, Toby. That's Please okay. go ahead. That's okay. Um, my name is Toby W., and I am gratefully abstinent today by the grace of God. Um, you know, I said I wanted to, to share because I wanted to talk about the times I stole from grocery stores or CVS or any place where there was food, and I'd walk around within the basket. I would eat, finish what it is, and I would hide the papers. And um, and when I, I made a list, and there was an extensive list of stores that I had done this in, and went to each store and figured out with my sponsor what I should um, what I should give. And in each case, they said they couldn't take it because they didn't know what to do with it. And I said, you could put it toward a charity or whatever. And they said, no, they couldn't. So what I did is I went around and I purchased that amount of food and put it into the basket for the food bank. Um, but as I was listening to previous speakers, I realized I used to steal money from my daddy. Um, he had, you know, all that change in the in a in a in a drawer, and I never even thought about that. And of course, he's passed by now, and I'm going to have to um, do something about that. And maybe there are even more. But um, yeah, it's important for me to. Um, make amends for the money and the things that I stole, um, like the paper clips and things of that sort. And so uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Toby W. And Roz G., please share with us. Good morning, everybody. My name is Roz G., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. I could say so much about money. Um, I I have shared in the past that um, I spent about five or six years on the welfare program in the United States of you know of America. I was lived in American poverty, and um, I believe that my checkbook ledger says a lot about my life and I lived on food stamps you know and I and I and I spent a lot of food stamp money on food on food uh I also hid a large sum of money from the welfare department that I received um from a a a, a lawsuit that I had been a part of it was a large amount but I was afraid that they were going to, um, you know, take me off. I was in a marriage where my husband took all the money and and took it and spent it on nonsense. And I was uh, eventually got um, found out by fraud, the fraud department, and they caught up with me. And I had and uh, my sponsor and I had to go, you know, like write a script. You know what I mean, like a script as to what I was going to say to them. And I did. I told them the truth. I said, I'm in a 12-step program, and this is the person I was, but I'm not this person today. Um, 
I was afraid that um, you were going to take me off. I was going to be broke and my children and I weren't going to have anything. And they they actually forgave me for that. And, and they never spoke to me again. Um, and I also am in another program for money. But how I spend my money says a lot about my life. And as a, as a compulsive overeater and a person who makes living amends, um, who wants to walk in integrity and truth and honesty, I need to look at what I'm spending my money on. And of course, like probably a lot of us, I, I spent a lot of money in restaurants, fast food places. I worked at a fast food place and I stole money from the uh, petty cash too for gas because I had no clue. I was so out of control with eating and spending. But today I have a food plan and I have a spending plan. And I, and I, and I look at both of them. So, you know, yeah, ruthless critters. If, if, in my experience, I told them the truth and they forgave me for it. And like it says in the big book, if we're on the, the, the you know, if we're here on this, um, God will protect us. I'm kind of sleepy right now, so it's not coming to me. But we, we're on the fighting line or something like that in the trenches. God will protect us. And I believe I was completely protected by that. So if I stand as a woman with honesty and integrity, I will be protected by my higher power. And I have a good spending life. I mean, I have a good money life today. It's not rich, but it, but I'm able to get by very well. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Roz G. And just a reminder where, where we're sharing, um, we are on page 78 in the chapter Into Action, and we're in the second paragraph that begins most alcoholics owe money and reading um, that paragraph and sharing on that one paragraph. So who else would like to share this morning? Melissa W. Melissa W. On M. On M. Beverly Z. Sandy S. Sorry, Beverly B. Just a second. Sandy S. Jennifer C. Jennifer C. Anybody else? Okay, that's a great lineup. We have Melissa W, Ann M, Beverly, no, I think that's right, Beverly B, Sandy S, and Jennifer C. So, Melissa W, please share with us. Good morning, everyone. Melissa W, grateful uh, to be recovered here in New York. And um, on the topic of finances, I mean, I am selfish, self-centered, self-obsessed, and entitled to the core, and nowhere do you see it as much as you do. I mean, actually, everywhere you see it, but you certainly see it in my finances. And, you know, um, just because there are rules, like, they, they just don't apply to me. And if I sign a lease and you tell me that I have to keep it for a year and pay rent for all those 12 months, like, well, that's just a guideline, right? Like, I don't actually have to to those rules and I can break that lease and then if you tell me like well you have to come and just continue to pay us right I can't just call them and say oh I'm going to break the lease like oh well I'm not going to I'm not going to pay you right and and that's what that's what I do by the way I, I break the rules I think that the credit card rules don't apply to me I think that the lease rules don't apply to me 
I think none of these rules don't apply to me. And that actually just doesn't work in reality. It just works in my selfish, self-centered head that my diseased life lives in. And that's how I wind up, by the way, in the fear that I lived in and in being a person who was literally afraid of their mail, which I'm grateful to hear on these, on these lines. Um, and as part of my amends, like I had to make good on things like that. And one of my amends was that I broke a lease and I did it during the pandemic. And I said, oh, well, it's fine. I lost my job filled with self-pity, which is one of my favorite character defects. And, um, and I, I tried to sing a song to the, the landlord and nope, I still had to pay a lease just because I, I, I lost my job. And, um, and I owed them money. And then eventually, you know, as part of a nine supplement, I went back, I called the landlord. I said, you know, I, I owe you this money. Well, yep, you can still pay us back. Called the debt collector. I had no job. Doesn't matter. Just because I have no job, I still have to pay them back. I owe them money. I lived in that apartment. I paid this, the, I signed something. I have to pay them back. I did a payment plan over time. And I am paying them back over time. And here's the kicker. Because I'm so in my head and my disease... I don't even know who else I'm hurting. And so I got a phone call from my mom three weeks ago. Hey, Melissa, have you ever heard of this company, this agency? Something showed up on my credit report. Turned out my mom had co-signed that lease. And my mom, who has like perfect credit, never overspent a dollar in her life. The credit, the hit to the credit, it showed up on her report, not mine. And because I did the right thing, I was able to say, mom, I took care of it. It's going to be okay. Actually, at first I had to be like, wait a second, I have no idea what you're talking about. I panicked a little bit. Then I was able to say, it's okay. We'll take care of it. But I'm so grateful to this program that I'm able to do that today um, because that's very different than the life I was living. So thanks very much. Thanks for Topic and everyone for their service. Thank you, Melissa W. And Ann M., you're up, followed by Beverly B. Hi, Lisa. This is Ann M. here, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ireland. Um, can I be heard okay, Lisa? Yes. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the meeting, Lisa. And thanks, everybody, on the line. Uh, yeah, great chairs and a great paragraph. Um, yeah, I love this. It's, you know, it's rigorous honesty and, you know, it's, I suppose it's for me as well, it's facing, you know, facing my responsibilities, which I've never done before. And yeah, getting lots of flashbacks, you know, from the shares that have been shared already. And yeah, it's just really, I suppose for me, it's, you know, it just shows me how dishonest I was and, and, and can still have that element of dishonesty, you know, around particularly around money and, you know, I, I, God, dodging and ducking and diving and, yeah, and doing a lot of justifying and rationalizing and, you know, being self-righteous in that as well and a bit of self-pity and it's just all those unhealthy behaviors that I had and have, you know, still within me. And that's why I need this program, you know, and I love the part where it says most alcoholics owe money and, you know, just the part our drinking has made us slow to pay. Yeah, just really marking out that dishonest trait in me. And uh, yeah, it's it's I've been like that all my life, you know, and coming into recovery was a real, 
I suppose, a real wake-up call and uh, pulling back the layers and pulling back the covers and really having a look with rigorous honesty. Um, yeah, and having somebody else, you know, who has walked this journey before me and with me um, show me, you know, where I have been very dishonest and, you know, just not allowing me to justify my way out of things and uh, that I do have to take responsibility, you know, for, for what I have and haven't haven't paid up or shown up to. And, you know, it's the last part there that was shared again, you know, it's a huge warning for me. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. And that for me is, you know, it's I've I've recently just had two I've made direct amends and live my living amends, but you know, two two um amends have cropped up for me in the last in the last couple of months and you know, it's it's no coincidence. They need to be dealt with and I need somebody, you know, who's recovered and who has an objective way of looking at this with me because I will try and dodge them and justify them and uh, just 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 pretend they're kind of not there and they'll fade away. But I know I'll pick up food to to soothe myself in that. And and you know it's lovely. It's 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 such a I suppose it's such a a peaceful way to live and the freedom is there. But there is a price. The price has to be paid. Freedom is not free. And 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 I'm willing to go to those lengths today. So with that I pass. And thanks again, Lisa, for your service. Thank you, Ann M. And Beverly B., you're up, followed by Sandy S. And thank you so much, Beverly B. from Pennsylvania, compulsive overeater. And um, thank you to everyone on the line. And um, most alcoholics owe money. And I'm very emotional today because uh, my heart is so filled with gratitude for uh, OA and um of course, I'm going to mention AA because yesterday, by the grace of God, I celebrated 30 years, and I, I had to get clean and sober by grace to get into this, you know, the OA program. Thanks for, I'm grateful for other people pointing the way. And this paragraph is bringing that I did. I have paid back um, anyone that I owe. I made my amends. We've done the eighth and ninth step, you know, the ninth step promises, you know, and it's saying, you know, that we, we lose our fear. We don't back up because of fear. And one thing is fear of our creditors. Before I practiced the steps with a loving sponsor, I didn't know what I didn't know, that I learned so much. And of course, OA, someone passed it on to me to go to money program because I was in debt back then in 1996 and today I'm debt free thank you God and a new way of living that I learned so much that I could call no matter you know how much fear I had and I learned that I was given a moratorium three months I said are you for real you know and the miracles that happened like a car was paid off that I had to get repossessed and it was like blow me away and uh, today I do still practice all the principles on a daily basis and uh, for we're liable to drink if we are afraid to face them, that fear, facing everything and recovering or fearing everything and, and running away. And, um, you know, tell them what we're trying to do. And I had so much shame, 
so much shame and even broke down crying. But the love, the acceptance back then, um, you know, and learning processes. I even have braces when I lived and worked in Maryland that that it on my mouth. And then I learned people gave me suggestions of how to brush and take things off whenever I had to brush my braces and, and all that stuff. And I'll tell the love and service, and just like today, you know, and I try not to get myself back in debt, and I definitely don't want a refund on my weight. You know, I don't, I just don't. Um, it would probably kill me today if I went back to the stage when I came in in 1993 for, to OA. So thank you for letting me share, and I'll mute and pass. Thank you, Beverly B. And Sandy S., you're up, followed by Jennifer C. Good morning, friends. This is Jennifer C., recovered in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, listening to everyone share this morning. Sorry, uh, Jennifer. I, did I say this? I may have said it wrong. I think it was Sandy S., followed by Jennifer. Yeah. Hi. This is Sandy S. from Asheville, North Carolina, recovered. Um, being in the program a long time and really totally willing to go to any lengths in my recovery, all my monetary debts are paid off. The debt I owe today is to my husband. I've shared that he's in the hospital in a very tortured, I say he's being, he's living a torturous experience of delirium and just you know, recovering from something he might never recover, colon cancer. And um, the surgery went great. It's just that due to his age, he's 87, he's having such a hard time, his body, his mind, dealing with all that's happened to him. And all he wants is for me to be there as a loving presence. And it's so difficult for me because I'm such an agitated person. And the hospital is so dysfunctional. And the truth is that I can only be what God will enable me to be. My problem in life is always wanting to function beyond my limitations, really pushing myself to be something I'm not. And I just have to go to the hospital today, sit there with him, be with him as much as I can, and when the fear comes up, it's tremendous fear because he's in so much distress, and I feel it. And it's hard to be a loving presence when the person who's really been the most important person in my life in terms of my recovery is my husband. He was in the trenches with me when my bipolar disorder was raging. And now I, all I want to do is just repay him so that I could be what he has been towards me, and I'm powerless over that. And only God can give me that power, and I just need to surrender and do the next right thing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy S. And Jennifer C., please share with us. Good morning. I'm so sorry about that. That was completely my fault. Um, Jennifer C. recovered in Greenville. Now it's my turn. Um, I, I'm just so thankful for all of these shares this morning. And as I've been listening and just reflecting, I, um, 
just reminded, like, I don't ever want to lose sight of the gift of being on this side of the steps. I remember uh, when I never thought it would happen, when I never thought it would happen. I kept trying and trying and trying to get abstinent, and it just wouldn't happen, and I thought it was never going to happen. And listening to these shares reminds me of the shame that was associated with being in the food, you know, like buying a cake and stealing two more cakes um, in the self-checkout, eating food all throughout the store um, and, and not paying for it, finishing it off, justifying myself because I felt like I was stealing from my family if I was in the food and I was stealing from the store um, to sit, you know, to help my family. I mean, literally, that's what my diseased mind would, would tell me. Um, and, you know, there's just no limit to the extent that I would go to to get my next binge food when I was in the grips of this disease. And, um, you know, this disease is a monster. <laughs> and when it's activated through ingesting my binge foods, I give my will and my life over to this monster. And I become someone that is uh, just completely diseased um and the way that it affects my soul you know it just becomes easier and easier to steal and be dishonest and 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 honestly just be completely reckless in other areas of my life so to anyone who is in the throes of this disease today i just i just want to say that like (laughs) our disease wants us to identify with the stealing and the dishonesty and the shame um because because then it can keep us stuck in the disease. And what I love about this process is that while I work through these amends um, and the whole process, it changes my identity. It changes the way I see myself. Today, I'm a woman who wouldn't think of putting extra food in the bag without paying for it. Um, walking abstinently into a grocery store never ceases to amaze me. Like it never gets old to walk past the bakery and just and just have so much peace and neutrality and not wonder if I'm going to make it out of there. Abstinent. Um, and that's a miracle today that I'm no longer eating compulsively and I'm no longer fighting against it. So I just want to encourage anyone who feels like they're never going to get it and they're in the grips of the illness, just know that this will pass and just keep showing up. Don't give up before the miracle happens. And uh, everyone have a great day. With that, I pass. Thank you, Jennifer C. And we have been reading and sharing um, on the second paragraph on page 78, Most Alcoholics Owe Money. And um, who else would like to share this morning? This is Larry K. I've got Larry K. I heard a female voice. That was Barbara. Nancy T. Katie Barbara. Oh, sorry. I heard Larry. UK. Okay. I heard Larry, Barbara, and Liz, and I think I missed somebody. Nancy T. Okay. Nancy T. and Katie? Katie G? No, Katie F., but um, I don't know that you'll have time for me, so that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we'll go with, um, you may have to remind me of your, uh, the first initial of your last name. I have Larry K., Barbara, Liz, Nancy T., and Katie F. So Larry K., please share with us. Larry, we can't hear you, star one. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Larry K., uh, recovered compulsive reader. 
you know, we're, we're learning here. We read here about making financial amends. I remember years and years ago, I had stole money from an employer and, you know, I kind of was in program for a while and I made other amends, but that was one that I just, I wasn't ready to make. I was going to wait till my financial situation was better. I don't know if you can relate to that, but uh, that's where my, my mind was taking me. But, and I. We lost you again, Larry. Okay, I'm back. Okay, there you're back. <laughs> so, um, in any case, um, I don't know where where I left off there, but but I made these financial amends uh, to an employer that I stole from, and um, and and I was finally willing to do that. And you know, um, but here's here's where I want to take the story. You know, dishonesty um, can still creep up. I'm still human. You know, I can steal time from my employer. Have you ever done that? Or am I the only one? You know, I can uh, I can omit things. I have omitted things, you know, from people that um, the truth would have served me better. The point is, I'm still human. Now, in my in our perfectionism, we want to, uh, you know, we 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 don't want to be that way. You know, I I I don't. I really when I tell you that I intend to be honest, and I wake up in the morning, I do. And perhaps you do as well, you know, and, and so something, there's something, you know, within uh, us that we have to continue, continue, continue. So, you know, there, this, this making amends process, it, it continues to go on. And um, so, for example, when I speak to my sponsor today, you know, what are we going to do for our recovery today? Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to work a full day for my employer. I'm not going to steal time from my employer. And then the thing is, I go out and do it, do something esteemable. I'm not going to omit things from people. You know, I'm not going to sweep little things, big things under the rug. I'm going to, you know, and this is the spiritual process where I gain access to this power. It's a daily grind sometimes. The thing is, though, what do I get in return? I get uh, this this, uh, God infusion, right? I get to be a person of integrity for today. Tomorrow will take care of itself, but for today, this is how I, I continue to have access to a higher power. I'm never going to be perfect, but I, tr- I strive towards what would God have me be today? Who's the man that God would have you be today, Larry? And then I try to, I try to live that out, and then I relax. I take it easy. I don't struggle. So I hope that helps. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Barbara, you're up, if you'll remind me of the first initial of your last name. E for Egbert. Oh, E, thank you. Okay, good morning, everyone. It's so wonderful to be with you. Uh, My favorite word, I think, in this whole program is the word we, because before the, the program came into my life, it was all about me. What had you done to me? So maybe it wasn't so bad. I stole a little bit from the supermarket. After all, you were gouging us. We all know that. You were charging us outrageously. So if I took a little more of this or that, it wasn't exactly stealing. Well, of course it was because those people worked hard for their money and I was stealing from them. And then in school, I would steal reams of paper and hide it in my bag 
and take it out to the car with the excuse, well, I'm using it for teaching purposes. I'm, I'm printing everything for school. So that's okay, Barbara. But really, if it was okay, why was I hiding it? Why was I not walking up high with my head held up high? And then the supermarket. I was stealing food all the time, eating food off the shelves as I walked through the market, hiding food, starting a bag and then putting it back on the shelf. So when I finally went to make an amends to the supermarket, it was no longer there. It was the Acme supermarket, and it had disappeared from my town, from my area. So I went to the nearest supermarket, and I told them my predicament. And they said, well, we really can't take your money. And it's admirable that you'd like to give money to us, but our suggestion is that you donate food to a food bank and do it every single month as a way of repaying that store that you can't find anymore. And I spoke to my sponsor and she said, what a wise person. And he was only 16, I could swear. But he was right. So ever since then, it's been eight years, I've been donating food to our local food bank bank. And it makes me feel right-sized because as I say, as the beginning, this is a WE program. And I, when I hear you say that we have the same problem and we are going to find the solution together. And the solution is in this book. We just have to do all the steps, not some of them. Some of them will get us just some of the recovery, but let's do it together so that we can all trudge down that road together and enjoy its harmony. Thank you so much for being there for me every morning. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And Liz from the UK, if you'll also remind me of the first initial of your last name, you're up, followed by Nancy T. Good morning, good afternoon, Liz E. For Elegant, recovered in Bristol in the UK. Um, for all those who are maybe new on the call or shy, I've really no idea what I'm going to say. I've asked God to speak through me. I am in a really difficult place. Uh, I've got a lot of difficult stuff going on. And when I spoke to my sponsor, who's amazing yesterday, she said, I've just got to work this program harder and harder, and I've got to recover, recover, recover. And part of that is just showing up and doing Star One and turning up and sharing and hopefully encouraging other people who are in a difficult place that this is what we do and my program will get me through this and you all these amazing people in this fellowship will get me through um that's all i've got to say thank you for letting me share thank you liz e and katie t you're up followed by katie f I'm sorry, Nancy T, you're up, followed by Katie S. Thank you, and I'll talk, I'll only take a couple of minutes so that Katie will have time too. Um, I uh, can relate to what everybody has said. You know, before I even knew I was a compulsive overeater, um, I should have belonged to another fellowship, and my life was, I dated a guy who was, um, you know, we were just 
we were drug buddies is what we were. But his sister, I um, stole their, uh, his sister was married and had four young children and I stole their welfare and food stamps um, to get drugs one time. And I, you know, that, that guilt and that shame and that remorse carried with me well years, years. And, you know, when I uh, first got really serious about my recovery, um, it was something that I talked with my uh, sponsor about, and it had been so many years since that happened. We tried internet searches. We tried, I couldn't find them. Um, and so we agreed that I would do collateral amends. I donated some money to the women's shelter for the welfare money, and I donated um, a chunk of money to the food stamp department, or not food, uh, food bank for the food part. And I've also over the years donated my time and volunteered at a food bank. But I also, always, always have the willingness that if I ever find them, I will make direct amends as well. I have to do that. I have to be willing. I can't live with that level of shame and guilt and self-hatred. Um, and I've also had the workplace things. You know, we I work at a courthouse, and when we have jury trials, they put out snack foods and stuff. So I'd been known to get into the snack cupboard and and steal food out of there. And so I had to replace that those snacks for the jury system. But, you know, I think that the biggest change financially for me is I lived my life in a way that um, I was financially irresponsible. I didn't pay my bills. I spent money on what I wanted to spend money on. My bills got behind. They got reported to collection. I was constantly trying to catch up or stay out of hot water, you know, and just, you know, the lifestyle. It was terrible. And when I the food finally beat me into a state of desperation. I became willing to do whatever it takes. And that involved living a life of integrity. And that included in all my affairs, financial as well. And it took a long time, but I can tell you today that I'm completely debt-free. The only debt I have is my car. And well, I'm about ready to buy a condo, so there goes that. But um, I don't I don't live with debt. If I use a credit card, it gets paid off on the first of the next month. Um, I don't buy things that I don't, well, I can't say I don't absolutely need. But anyway, I have financial integrity today because I have to have integrity in all areas of my life. And I think you know what I'm talking about. And that's a miracle. I'm 60 years old and never thought I would have financial freedom. And I'm so grateful because it's because of God in this program. And thank you. I'm sorry I wasn't going to take all my time. Anyway, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Um, KDF, you have a minute. Would you share with us? Sure. This is Katie off a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, it's hard to be the last, it's hard to be the first one. And it's hard to be the last one because everyone said exactly what, um, what I've been thinking and what I've done. Um, but I just wanted to share, you know, so much of my spending wasn't, it wasn't all around food. It was just another ism. And, and as other people have eluded, you know, I got into a lot of, um, a lot of debt, even in recovery, even in uh, food recovery. But um, on my mother's deathbed two and a half years ago, I made amends to her for all the food I ate. You know, as a as a kid, you know, we'd go to the grocery store and I, she'd say, oh, you want to make cookies this week? And we'd have to buy every ingredient, you know, which shouldn't be the case if you've made cookies once. And, you know, so I remember... Um, you know, right before she died, I just said, you know, I'm really sorry that I, that I ate all that food all the time. And, you know, I'm sure I had, I'm not sure if I'd made amends before, but, you know, it's just, uh, it's an ongoing process, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because when my mother died, I'd been absent for 32 years. So um, 
I can look the world in the eye today and I don't have to, um, you know, dodge the mail, uh, although things still come up, you know, I got something this week and it's like, what are you talking about? And I have to look into it. And the good news is, is I'm not afraid of it. And I do have, you know, uh, balance with my money today. And um, with that, I'll pass. We're out of time. Thanks. Thank you, Katie F. And thank you everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Friday, August the 13th, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 17,553. That's 17553. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Lisa B., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, here we go. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.